Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. Football is back. The 49ers are back. And the 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast, is back. Brought to you by MyBookie. Winning season returns at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means survivor, super contests, and squares. At MyBookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals. Rejoice, it's time to celebrate the NFL season. Invest in your intuition, use promo code WEBZONE, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at MyBookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code WEBZONE and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. And listen. Life has been tough for everybody this year. Lay some money down, win some money. My bookie, football's back, baby. Zane, are you ready to go? I am, man. I didn't think we'd, we'd be talking about this day. In the middle there, it felt like we weren't going to get here. And I just want to let everybody know that the soon-to-be Super Bowl champion San Francisco 49ers are going to take the field for the first time in a regular season game this Sunday. It feels good to say that, Al. Oh my God. I'm just so excited. It's, it's funny because we talked about it last time. Sports, sports is back. I'm, I'm very thankful sports is back. I was watching the Lakers game last night, but it's felt a little weird. Baseball season's a bit weird. The basketball is in the bubble, things like that. But football, it just feels, dude, it just feels like football season's here. I, I got that excited feeling. I can't wait tomorrow night to sit down and watch the game. I, I can't wait for the games this weekend. I can't wait to do my fantasy teams, my survivor pools, everything. I just, I, I cannot wait. So I'm, I'm really pumped about it, Zane. And I thought today, you know, as we're looking forward to this Niners game, I think it's going to be, could be a pretty tough game. We're looking forward to it. And I looked at the practice report today and Debo and Ayuk both did not practice today. Garland did in a limited fashion. And that's huge too, because the center is so important for this offense. And they need Garland there, but the Debo and Ayuk thing stuck out to me and they're still tomorrow, which is going to be a big day. If they don't practice on Thursday, it's not, not looking good for them to be recording the show as of Wednesday. So We'll see how they do. If those guys aren't there, we've been talking about the wide receivers this offseason. Listen, without those two, you, you know, those are probably your top two wideouts. You're down to relying on some other guys here. You're going to rely on Kendrick Bourne. You're going to rely on Trent Taylor, who we didn't, who didn't play last year. So as great as he's looked in camp, he's, st- he's still, we, we got to let him get his feet underneath him. And, and Zane, to me, the, the guy to watch here and the guy that if he's ever going to do it, he's got to do it now is Dante Pettis. We've heard that he did well in camp. John Lynch was complimentary of him, you know, saying it, it seems like there's, there's been a fire underneath him, which, which finally, that, that was good to hear. But he needs to do it, man. He had a terrible season last year, couldn't get on the field, and now the Niners have these injuries. If they need any, him to step up, it's now. And, you know, we talked a lot about his 2018 season. And if you remember... This two years ago, I, I said when he was first came in, he, he looked like his, he, he didn't look like he was all there to me. I, I wasn't sure about his football IQ and I was a little bit worried early in the season about him, but then he takes off in the end of the season, the last five games, or his last five games, I should say, 
he had 20 receptions for 359 yards and four TDs. Now, if you look at that over a 16 game season, I know that's tough to do when you just look at look, look at little samples, but that kind of production over a 16 game season is, is 64 receptions, 1149 yards and 13 TDs. So he did that in a third of the season and, and you're we're so excited about him going to 2019 and he just fell off a cliff. So Zane, do you, do you think given the camp that he had that we're going to see the 2018 at the end of the season, Dante Pettis, do you, do you think he's going to be the same guy last year? What are your expectations of him right now? Well, right now, I think what the 49ers need for him from him is for him to be basically a band-aid for uh, being able to get Ayuk and Debo back and healthy again. And if, and if they don't play, you touched on that, uh, a little bit and if they don't play I think that at that point you're starting Bourne and Pettis at that point uh, you, you can't really start Taylor's he's more of a slot guy and you know you're probably going to see more three possibly four tight end sets they may activate all the tight ends at that point you will definitely see a lot of Jordan Reed if, if both receivers can't go and the Niners offense will look very different in the first game than it will from uh, the, the middle of the season hopefully when they're all healthy and I think that uh, you're right. It gives guys like Dante Pettis a chance. And this is basically, I think, his his last chance. They drafted two receivers after they drafted Dante Pettis, and both of those guys look to have leapfrogged him on the depth chart. Ayuk, uh, I don't. You can say that okay, he hasn't yet because uh, he's only been in camp for a few weeks. But the guy is the guy's got all the talent in the world. You've seen it in practice. You've seen what he's done in college. And to me, like Ayuk is probably the most impressive out of the bunch that they've drafted. And I think that he's the he's the one I'm most excited about because I feel like he's kind of like Debo with a little bit more speed. But that being said, like Dante Pettis, he the reason why I feel like he fell out of favor was just because he, Kyle Shannon and him he him both mentioned it where he didn't really take to the criticism to to the criticism that well. And some guys like the tough love, some guys don't. And Dante Pettis obviously is one of the guys that doesn't really respond well to it. And I think that they aired all that stuff out. And mentally, he seems to be in a better space than he was last year. And that makes all the difference for an athlete. Like if you feel better mentally going to a season that can make the difference between a make or break sort of type year for you. And I think that what they want to, to get out of him, I, I don't know if they're going to ever get that out of him because I don't know if he's ever going to be at a focal point like that. However, what they can do with him and his abilities right now fit pretty well into the offense. And he's had a really good camp. He's, been doing some work over the middle in terms of catching a lot of passes from all the quarterbacks. And I think that's where he's going to do a lot of his work. That's where Kyle Shanahan loves to work the field. And that's where Jimmy loves to work the field. So if you can't go over the middle, you're not going to get the ball. And I think that's one of the problems that he had in the past is that he just was hesitant to go over the middle and take shots. You saw a couple of balls bounce off his hands and, and end up in defenders hands last year. And Jim, uh, well, one did, and then he dropped another one that was a sure touchdown in the, in the Carolina game, I believe. So if he can, figure it out. I think he has a lot of talent and he's a very raw talent. We knew that when they drafted him, but really I'm with you. This is his last chance. Uh, the Niners are hoping to get some useful snaps out of him. Like he's not going to be like a uh, 50 catch guy or like a thousand yard guy. He's not going to be that. I just think that right now they want him to play a role. And if he can play that role, well, he can stay on the team and he's done that well in camp, in the reiterated camp. And, and I hope he can carry it forward. And you mentioned Ayuk. Niners are going to be careful with him, obviously, because they're more concerned about him being there for the long haul rather than just week one. So if that hamstring is still barking or is not all the way there yet, I'm sure they'll take it slow. But I, I, I don't remember last time I've been more excited about a 49ers rookie receiver. And Matt Mayoko said recently that he was, and I'm paraphrasing here, the, the most polished rookie he's ever seen or that they've they've had. And and 
coming in that he's been Garoppolo's comfort blanket in training camp. So for a rookie to come in and do that is crazy. And Matt doesn't usually throw things around like that. So for him to say that, that's it's quite high praise and, and really exciting. And, and you got to be excited. You know, Zane, you, you mentioned earlier about them being like the, I think you said the nine, was it the, the 99 Rams, right? And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if the offense could be that good. And, and I, I don't know if it can be initially, but when you hear things like that and they already have Debo and you know what they have in Kittle and McKinnon coming back, maybe you're onto something, man. Maybe this offense could be special this year if they have all their pieces. I think so. I, I've been saying it to you uh, and I've been tweeting it out as well. I thought that this offense would be almost not like 99 Rams like level in terms of Hall of Fame uh, talent but 99 Rams uh, in terms of effectiveness because they've got like a, like a prototypical pocket quarterback. They've got a receiving threat at running back. They've got smaller sort of undersiders who do a lot of their work over the middle. I remember that the 99 Rams offense, it's, it was all crossing patterns. It was all over the middle uh, with the occasional deep shot, but Kurt Warner was really accurate uh, in, in short spaces. And that's what Jimmy excels at. So I think that they can have a similar sort of effect. You add George Kittle into that and that's another threat. You had Jordan Reed into that. That's another threat. And you just have basically like, I think this is going to be the, the most fun offense that we've seen in years from the 49ers. Like I'm talking about like back when Steve Young had Terrell, Terrell Owens and, and Jerry Rice, and they were just putting up points like crazy and they were putting up yards like crazy. And they were just a lot of fun to watch. They were really balanced, but they were also really exciting. I don't think it's going to be like an offense like you saw last year with a lot of uh, smoke screens and things like that to try to scheme guys open. Now I feel like Kyle Shanahan has guys that he wants, uh, especially with McKinnon coming back healthy and with, with the addition of Jordan Reed as, as the second tight end. He has guys that he trusts to be able to get the job done. I feel like he didn't necessarily trust his running backs that much to catch the ball out of the backfield to be a receiving threat, which is why you don't see as many design throws to the running backs from Jimmy. Like that angle route that they ran to Jeff Wilson to win that Cardinals game last year, they ran that twice in the Super Bowl and it worked both times. One of them was the touchdown to use check and then the second one was right before the half uh, to Jeff Wilson, where they needed like, it was like a third and 17, it was like second and 17 or something like that. They needed more than 10 yards. He got 20 yards out of it that preceded the, the Kittle offensive pass interference play. So I, th- I feel like he wants to run those plays, but he just couldn't do it in the past. And now he feels like he can do that. Like, I like Matt, I like, I like Matt Breida a lot. I, you know, he was one of my favorite players on the 49ers, but he did have problems holding onto the ball. Like he dropped a screen pass in the Pittsburgh game that fell into the arms of the defender. He had problems with drops in his rookie year as well. And, and to me, with Kyle Shanahan, he shies away from certain things when guys can't do them. And you don't really get many chances with him. He's very, almost to a fault, impatient with guys. And I think when you have guys that he trusts, he can open up the playbook even more. So you'll see a lot of plays that we haven't seen before from the Niners, a lot of formations that we haven't seen before, a lot of two tight ends. And I think as a result of that, the biggest winner in this, honestly, Al, is going to be Jimmy because he's going to be more comfortable. His progression will increase. And I think he's going to have a really, really stellar year. You said that he can be approaching MVP levels. I agree with it. Yeah, it's definitely exciting to see. And I agree with you on Jimmy. I think he's going to have a better year than people are expecting. He's going to have a prolific year, I think, and and put up some big numbers. A couple other newsworthy things I thought were in naming of the team captains and also the depth chart. And a couple things to hit on for those things. So first thing, Zane, for the team captains. So if People didn't see this yet. The team captains were Jimmy Garoppolo. And look, you hope your quarterback's a team captain, right? No surprise mm-hmm. there. George Kittle, your star player. Again, not surprised. Eric Armstead, who I, I was glad to see because he signed the big contract and he's a big part of that defensive line. Richard Sherman, listen, the guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's a voice in that locker room. And Fred Warner, I was glad to see there too because 
Warner means so much to this defense, and he has come off the COVID list. And the other two guys, and I think it says a lot about these guys for a couple of reasons, were Mike McGlinchey and Trent Williams. First, McGlinchey, this is a young offensive tackle, right tackle, who coming into this team, this is his third season, and he was there with Joe Staley all those years. He clearly picked up things off of Joe Staley, hanging out with Joe Staley. They were good friends. And to mean a lot in the locker room like he does and on the field, was glad to see McGlinchey there and being a team leader and hopefully someone that, that they're going to resign and they're going to have on this team for a while. And the other guy that really stuck out to me was Trent Williams as the seventh guy because he hasn't played a down for the 49ers yet. The Niners acquire him in the offseason. We know what a great player he's been and we know how good he's been, he's been in training camp. But for this team to see him as a team captain already, that says how much he means on and off the field. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a contract extension soon for him because I'm I'm so impressed that he was named a captain and I can't wait to see him against Chandler Jones on Sunday. Yeah. And staying with Trent Williams, honestly, Al, and people may accuse me of being a homer when I say this, but I, I really do believe this to me, the most significant move in the NFL this year has been the Niners trading for Trent Williams. And I'll tell you why, because anytime that Jimmy had trouble last year, it was, well, I mean, first of all, it was rushes up the middle, but also it was when Staley was hurt. Or when Staley came back and Clowney had that big game and Staley's first game back and basically uh, dismantled him. And uh, when you have a guy like Trent Williams, and when Staley retired before the Trent Williams trade, we were like, oh man, what are they going to do? They have to drop a tackle. Do they move school over there? Can Brunskill play tackle? What's going to happen? They, then they made the trade for, for Trent Williams, who had a year off, but has bulked up as well. And is, to me, a top three tackle in the NFL. Like, I think that Trent Williams is a fantastic football player. If you look how big this guy is, and if you look how fast he moves at that size, it's unbelievable. And when you can sign and or trade for a franchise left tackle that protects the QB's blind side like that, and that gives him that trust and that extra half second to throw, like, Al, can you imagine what Jimmy would have had if he had a half second, an extra half second to throw in the Super Bowl? Or if he had the ability to roll out a little bit to his left side, or if he had the ability to just find receivers open with, you know, that left side, Joe Staley got hurt in the Super Bowl, right? Like if he had the ability to, to just have an extra little bit of time to find people, the Niners probably win that game. And when you add a player of that caliber to your roster, who is now a team captain and arguably was the best player in camp by many people's accounts, it's a huge thing. And it was an under the radar thing, which is kind of odd to say for a guy like Trent Williams, who has been a several time pro bowler and all pro. But I think because the the offensive line specifically like you know tackle isn't really a sexy position nobody cares about that you care about the receivers and the quarterbacks and the running backs cornerbacks Jalen Ramsey got that huge deal which we're going to touch on uh, in a little bit but yeah uh, Trent Williams to me was the most important acquisition in the offseason for the 49ers and to me that's going to be the move that puts them over the top because if you have more time for your quarterback even if you have subpar receivers or even if you have injured receivers he's going to be able to find somebody open because cornerbacks number one can't cover forever and number two, if they do cover forever, there's going to be some sort of penalty in the backfield because guys are holding, they're clutching, they're grabbing, receivers are trying to get open. So to me, it's a, it's a win all across the board for matters of Brent Williams. The other thing that really stuck out to me was the depth chart. And not that there was anything crazy or surprising on there because it's pretty much chalk. I mean, we knew it was going to happen. It's not like there were any huge position battles that we really thought there was an upset or anything like that. It's it's pretty much chalk from what we thought. And the rookies that are on the second team right now or whatever, we that we know, you know, Brandon Ayuk was like, I think third string. We we know the rookies get put in lower and and that's not really the case. The guys who we thought were going to be there were going to be there. What stuck out to me is if you look at the Niners depth chart, 
you'll see the positions where there could be two starters, right guard, it says Daniel Brunskill or Tom Compton, um, right cornerback, Emmanuel Mosley or Akella Witherspoon, where I thought there would be another or because there's a back running back by committee thing is that, is that running back where I thought you'd see Raheem Mostert or Tevin Coleman or Jarek McKinnon. It's not laid out that way. And we know that McKinnon's going to be the third down back and catch the passes. But we saw last year, it was, it was really an even a pretty even timeshare between Mostert and Coleman and Coleman usually started most games, but it said Mostert here. Mostert is a starter. And if you want to read into that, you could say you can, you say you can't, I'm going to read into it. Mostert was awesome last year. Mostert was absolutely fantastic. The guy had 15 total touchdowns last year. He was a monster. We've gone over the yards per carry numbers before. He's higher than any Niners running back over five yards a carry under Kyle Shanahan. Tevin Coleman only had four yards a carry last year. So I wonder if they're going to ride Mostert more than most people are thinking. And I'm not saying the guy's going to have 300 carries this year. I don't think that. But if he could be in the 220 range, 230, and stay healthy and do that, you're going to have a big rushing season. And I just kind of wonder if if they're going to lean more to him and you're going to see Mostert with maybe more yeah, you know, in the 13 carry range and Coleman with with more along the lines of five instead of nine or 10, maybe like he would have had last year. Just wonder, is it shifting towards Raheem Mostert being as much of a feature back as Kyle Shanahan would have these days? So let me first of all say that when we started the show, Al, you remember it, with the Niners rebuilding, I think it was Kyle Shanahan's first year as the first year off of Chip Kelly. And they, they we didn't know who was going to be on the depth chart because the team was so bad. And we just didn't really know like what who the starters are going to be, and like it just it just didn't matter at that point because they just didn't have the talent. It's nice to know, as a 49ers fan, it's nice to know going into the season who your starting uh, lineup is going to be for for the most part, uh, barring some injuries. It's nice to know that okay, well, there's a franchise left tackle, and there's a, a bell cow running back, and there are a couple of young rookie stud wide receivers, or a couple of young stud wide receivers, and you have an all pro tight end. It's nice to know that going into the season. So it's just, it's just fun. Now it's fun to talk about this again. Um, but that being said, I think that Kyle Shanahan, you know, the way that his, his dad rolled, uh, Al is they didn't really have like a guy that they fell in love with for more than like a season or a couple seasons. I really think that Kyle is a chip off the old block. I think that what's going to happen is that you'll see Mostert start the season out and you'll see, see him get the, the bulk of the carries during the season, but you'll see the offense evolve eventually where they'll start working McKinnon and more and they'll start working they'll start working Coleman in more and to get like, you know, seven to 10 touches a day, a game instead of like five touches a game and maybe lessen most just workload and ride the hot hand. I don't think that you'll see any of them get near a thousand yards rushing. I think that what you're going to have is you're going to have running backs for each situation. Like, you know how new England does it where they had James white and Dion Lewis and at the, the Super Bowl they beat the Falcons in James. White yeah. That's, yeah that's a good example. Yep. You know, and they had, they had uh, even against Seattle, they had LeGarrette Blunt and Shane Vereen and, and, uh, you know, then they got Rex Burkhead for a little bit. They have guys that can do everything. And I think that Kyle recognized that. And that's the system that Jimmy came from. That's the system he learned NFL football in and really became a quarterback in. Because remember in college, Jimmy was not, he was kind of like a, a, a do-it-all quarterback. He wasn't really like a pocket guy. He ran a little bit too. So to me, like most going to get the, the, the bulk of the carries, running the football. Coleman will probably do both. And McKinnon will basically be like uh, uh kind of receiving only sort of back uh, again, like a Shane Vereen in New England back in, in the early 2010s. So I'm excited. I'm really excited with the running back group because under Kyle Shannon and Bobby Turner, the old Denver Broncos and then uh, Atlanta Falcons running back coach, they can make stars out of nobody. And we've seen that. Brita had a great year in his 
and his chance when he had it, he had an extended look. Mostert was great last year, and I'm just excited. Like, all right, who's going to be this year? Is it going to be McKinnon? Is it going to be Mostert having an even better year? But they're just super fast. They have speed all over the field, specifically at the running back position. I'm super excited about it. All right. Another thing, look, let me give the listeners a little input to how Zane and I do things. I'm sure that some people who have podcasts put a lot of prep into it and they spend all this time and, and talk about, hey, we got to talk about this and all this prep. <laughs> Zane and I don't really do that. Um, Zane and I kind of ad lib a lot. So the way that we do this is we'll kind of say, like, I'll come with some stats and stuff like that. But a lot of the time is we'll just text each other and be like, hey, you want to talk about these five things? Sure. And then when we get on the podcast, we're like, hey, man, how's life? And we talk about our families and life. You want to start the show? Sure. And then we literally just ad lib a lot of it, right? Because Zane and I, I don't know, we're like 49ers nerds. We just know what we're talking about. So this is going to be another one of those segments where we're um, going to go over the Niners schedule and figure out what record we think we're going to have. And we have not talked about this. Um, I have no idea what he's going to say. He has no idea what I'm going to say. We're just going to wing it because that's what we do. I think we do a pretty good job of it, Zane. Um, so let's see how we do, man. What do you, yeah, what do you think? Good. All right. So was that bad that I just gave that away that we, we were a hot mess? No, I, I mean, I sound like a hot mess. Yeah, exactly. That just lets people know that like when we're on the air, that just, even if we do sound like a, like a hot mess on the air, it's a good fallback excuse. So people know like that's, oh, that's why. Okay. So I get it. Right. It's, it's spontaneous, <laughs> but which is, what's funny is like as spontaneous as it is, like we never like screw up or have to restart unless something happens with the audio or something like that. We just kind of go, it's pretty funny. Um, we don't, maybe someday we, we won't prep for a show. Maybe we don't call you one take out for nothing, right? (laughs) Right, right. Just record and and get out of Dodge. All right. Anyway, nobody cares. I'm going to stop talking. All right. So game one, we got the Cardinals this weekend. I don't think this is going to be an easy game. I just trust the imagination. We saw what happened last year with the Cardinals. Um, Niners had a couple tough games against them, and and they had a tough time containing Kyler Murray. And I know Nick Bosa said recently that they're more prepared for him. But week one, week one is fluky, man, especially with with no preseason. Nobody knows what's going to happen. So this is going to be a tough game. Can the Niners slow down Hopkins and Kyler Murray? I think they can at home. I think that they pull this out. I don't think it's an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. And it may be one of those games where everybody's complaining late into the third quarter because it's too close to their down. But I do think that they pull it out. And in week one, I'm going to give them a win. Yeah, see, I'm not as hot on Arizona as everybody else is. I, I love DeAndre Hopkins, first of all. Like, I thought that he was one of the top three receivers in the league. And I... I would have loved to see him in, in red and gold. That, that would never happen. But the, when he got traded to the Cardinals, I'm like, damn it, that's another quality receiver in this division. But to say that the Cardinals are ready to dethrone the 49ers and some people are like, oh, Kyler Murray's going to be so great. And this not, I'm not really sold on Kyler Murray. And look, I, I'm an A's fan of baseball too. So I know Kyler Murray very well. And I know his background very well because he, he was drafted by the A's and he spurned them and he went to football instead. But that's neither here nor there. So I think that, the the Cardinals drafted Simmons to literally be a Kittle stopper. That's not going to work because now they have Jordan Reed. And even if you stop Kittle, there's too many options for Jimmy to get to. He has to have time to throw. If Chandler Jones is in the backfield all day and Jimmy's flustered, this is not going to work. But I think that Kyle Shanahan knows this. And he's had, obviously, time to, to be able to scheme up a, a game plan against Arizona, a team that they struggled with last year. And honestly, Al, like, the first game in Arizona, the Niners had that under control. If not for one fluky Andy Isabella long touchdown, that game was over. And and basically the Niners had the game won. That game was much closer than it had to be because that one play, but they dominated that game. And they made Kyler Irari look pretty ordinary aside from that one throw. Like he had 80 yards on that one throw and like 150 yards the rest of the game, right? So 
I'm not as sold on Kyler Murray as everybody else is. I think it's a lot of like basically ad lib stuff, the stuff that people used to struggle with with Russell Wilson uh, before he became more of a pocket passer. That's basically what Kyler Murray is doing now. Like a lot of struggling on read option fakes, things like that, where Bosa and Armstead were diving in when Murray kept the ball and was able to find easy open guys. If they can stop that, I'm not really even worried about this. Like they they couldn't stop the run with Kenyon Drake. Um, I felt like Buckner, that's one area where he wasn't as good. He was not as good of a run defender as he was a pass rusher, and they attacked that. And with DJ Jones back and Javon Kinlaw in the middle, who's who excels at stopping the run, Solomon Thomas finally back in the middle of his normal spot, I think they'll be able to stop the run. Um, the receivers, yeah, I think DeAndre Hopkins Fitzgerald will get theirs. Um, you can only take one of them away and put Sherman on one of them. Whichever guy is not uh, matched up with Sherman is going to eat. But that being said, Arizona just doesn't have the, de- the defense. Their corners are, are not that great besides Patrick Peterson. Um, their safeties are just okay. Simmons' first game that I think Kyle Shanahan will basically exploit him all game. And I think that this will not be as close of a game as people are thinking. I think the Niners will win this one easily. All right, so we both got one and L. Yeah. All right. So game two and game three, actually, the Niners are coming to my neck of the woods in New York, which if it wasn't for COVID, I would be able to go cover those games. But it's neither here nor there, I guess. Just another reason why 2020 sucks. But anyway, the Jets, I don't see there's any way the Jets can stay with the Niners. Who are the Jets? Brashad Perryman? Is that their best receiver? James yeah, C. Crowder? Perryman. Who is Darnold throwing? Who is Darnold even going to throw to? I don't think Darnold's that bad. I think he could end up being a decent quarterback. But I, I don't know about that team. I don't know about Adam Gase. I think the Niners win. I don't even think this is a competitive game. I know the Niners are across the country for a couple of weeks in a row, but I'm not worried about this. I'm 2-0. They typically do really well in those, those we call them Jamestown, um, or sorry, Youngstown, not Jamestown, Youngstown, Ohio road trips, right? Where they usually stay at the, at the York's place or the DeBartle's place in, in Ohio. And um, they crash for a couple of weeks there. And then, and then they, they come back out West after the road trip's done. They had that last year too, between the, the Tampa Bay and Cincinnati games. Remember they did the same thing, but I think that really, they say trap the trap game is a big deal. Like, but if if the Arizona game like is a, is a drag out game where it goes like overtime or something like that, then yeah, we could say like okay, they may not be as sharp with the with the early start time and everything with if the Jets. But really, I'm with you. There's no reason why they should lose. Just don't let them hang around. Just put the pedal to metal right away. Don't let them hang around. Bury them and just kind of cruise to a victory. I think I think they go two and zero as well. Two and zero. Two and zero. Next week we mentioned the Giants. I'm actually a little bit excited to watch the Giants' offense this year. They're, they have no offensive line. But I thought Daniel, Daniel Jones had a good year for a rookie last year. Barkley, we know, is exciting. They have Slayton at receiver. They have Shepard. They have Evan Ingram. I think they're going to have an offense that I think they're going to lose a lot of games 35 to 30 this year. I think they'll be exciting to watch on offense. But I don't know about after that. But this is another game I don't see the Niners having trouble with. I, I think they go to New York. They win a couple games fairly easily and start season 3-0. Yeah, I agree. Um, again, track game. <laughs> you, you better show up. You're in the same stadium, playing at the same time the next week. Uh, the Giants don't really have a defense. Hold on to the ball. Don't turn it over a million times and you win the game. It's pretty simple. Now, the Eagles would scare me more if it was at Philadelphia because I like what Doug Peterson does on offense. I, I think Carson Wentz is even an underrated quarterback. When he's healthy, he's really good. Uh, they got you know Graham on the defensive line. They're, they're, they're a good team. And I don't think this is going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think it'll be a heavyweight game, but again, the Niners at puts it over to me to put them at four and zero. Yeah, um, me too. And, and again, like we don't know what's going to happen with fans because we know that most stadiums will not have fans for at least two games. We'll see what happens with 
the next two weeks that they may take this like a two two week approach sort of thing. Um, having fans in the stands will help whatever team is at home, obviously. But I think that uh, if this game, yeah, was in Philadelphia, their home field advantage is probably better than what Levi's could provide in, in a regular season game. But I'm not really worried about them. Carson Wentz, I mean, he's so erratic and he's so uh, up and down. You have to see what type of Carson Wentz you get that day. If he's on, that's a that's a that's the first uh, primetime game, by the way. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens when the Niners are playing in primetime. But they play in the Super Bowl. I feel like this team has risen time and time again against good opponents. Um, it'll be a close game, but I think the Niners will pull it out, maybe by a field goal at the end. No, the Dolphins, I think, are going to be better than people think this year. I don't know if Fitzpatrick will be starting by week five or they're going to go to two or what the deal is going to be. Uh, I think they're probably an up-and-coming team, Miami. I do. I, I, I don't think they're going to they're gonna be a cakewalk or a doormat by any stretch of the imagination, but I also don't think they can hang with the roster like the Niners. And again, the Niners, this is the second home game of a three um, game home stretch. And again, I know the fans may not be there, but still you got teams traveling from the East coast, that whole thing. I don't see any way they can lose this game. This is a team when you're a game, when you're a team as good as the 49ers, you should win these games. No problem. And the Niners are, what do we got now? Five and all L's got them at five and oh. Yeah. If Tua starts that game is a blowout. If Fitzpatrick starts, it's less of a blowout, but there's no reason why they should lose. I got them at five and oh as well. So week six is the Rams, and we said we were going to mention this Jalen Ramsey thing. They gave Jalen Jalen Ramsey a cornerback five years and twenty one million dollars on top of whatever they're paying Aaron Donald, on top of whatever they're playing Jared Goff. And the thing with the Rams, yeah, I know they're in the Super Bowl two years ago. Yeah, I know they won twelve games two years ago. If there's ever been a team who doesn't know how to build a sustained roster for the future, it's it's the Rams. They just, to me, it's like, it's almost like they're just trying to play fantasy football. Just, hey, let's win now. Let's win now. Let's win now. Let's trade draft picks. Let's send this guy to a huge contract and worry about it in two or three years. I just, I, I understand how you, okay, we got Jalen Ramsey. We got Aaron Donald. That's exciting. I don't know, man. I just, you've seen the awful contracts they've handed out with Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley, who I think is going to have a pretty good year in Atlanta, but that's neither here nor there. Um, they don't really know what they're doing. I'm not picking them in this game. The hell with the Rams. The Niners are 6 and 0. <laughs> remember they're paying Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks to play elsewhere this year too remember yeah that? that's a good point yeah <laughs> hell with that I'm not picking that team no <laughs> so, yeah so I think uh last year when the Ni- the Niners played the Rams uh here in in San Francisco I say here I'm in Chicago but at home in San Francisco uh the the Rams made it really close because the Niners couldn't stop them that was when the defense was really really hurt and they were just operating on fumes. They had, they had a bunch of really close games that they had been playing, a couple of losses as well. And I just felt like uh, that was kind of like an aberration for the defense. And, and it was much, uh, a lot of it was because of health. Now that, assuming that people stay healthy, like Alec, people are going to get hurt during the season, right? Knock on wood, all the Niners mm. starters will be healthy and effective. But we have to also say that, oh, it's easy to pick games, but like injuries determine a lot too. So if everything kind of stays at par and, and, it goes the way I think it's going to go. They're going to beat the Rams and it's going to be another one of those games where Sean McVay may come out with something that gets them a bunch of points at the beginning and the Niners catch up, or it's kind of like a knockdown uh, slug it out sort of game. But I, I feel like the Niners will eventually pull away and, and the, the better talent, the more talented team will win. And right now the Niners as a roster overall are more, ta- are more talented, even though on the defensive side, you can argue that the Rams have better superstars at, at two positions. 
unfortunately, yeah, there's more than two positions on defense for the Rams. So, um, (laughs) but all right, so this is where I know we've sounded like homers so far and we sound like the bears fans on Saturday night live, right? Where the bears are going to go 142 and hour or whatever, (laughs) but this is where it gets tough. And this is where reality is going to set in because you got three out of four on the road before the bye, And these are not easy games. I don't care if there's fans there or not. They're not easy games. You're at New England. You're at Seattle. Packers at home at the Saints. And this is where I think the losses are going to start coming in. And man, do I want to give them a win at New England? I know we don't know what that team's going to be. I don't know if Bill Belichick's contract with Satan is up or not. Um, <laughs> we'll have to see how that goes. I don't, I don't know when that ended. Oh, man. I'm going to give them a win here, a tough win. I think Jimmy has a good coming coming back party to New England. I think that's a big story that week. And I think he has a nice game and they win this game um, before things get a little tough after that. So I'm giving them, uh, I'm going to give them, uh, I don't know how confident I am, but I'm going to give them a 7-0 and there. Okay. I think this kind of highlights the importance of getting, I don't say getting, there's no game in the NFL that's a gimme. but. I think it highlights the importance of winning early and the Niners did that last year and they, they stacked up, you know, eight or nine wins before their first loss. And after that, they basically, you know, they lost two more times to, to end the season and the game, the season came down to literally one game and one inch at, in Seattle. And that's why it's important to stack up all those wins when you can get them early in the season, because later on in the season, guys get tired, guys get hurt, anything can happen. You want to be able to have as much money in the bank as possible. So that being said, I'm I'm going to say that they that they're going to lose this game in New England, and, and the reason why is because Bill Belichick takes things personally, right? We know that about him, and you know that he's going to come up with some sort of weird defensive scheme that's going to expose some of Jimmy's weaknesses and, and kind of fluster him a little bit. And I, I just it's going to be so interesting to me to see how Cam Newton performs in New England. And I remember early in the offseason on this podcast, I mentioned how that was such a natural fit to me because. Josh McDaniels with Cam Newton would be an amazing sort of match to me. Cam Newton's never had an offensive mind like that in his career. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do if Cam Newton stays healthy and if uh, the Niners can stay healthy. I think it's going to be a close game. I think New England pulls it out. It's going to be one of those like one score sort of games that the Niners lost last year. But I think they'll get their first loss right in New England. I hope I'm wrong, but I think they'll get it. Now, I I have them squeaking out a win there. There's no way being realistic they're going to get out of this this stretch without a few losses here before the buyer a couple losses i should say i i just think it's it's crazy 10 and 0 is so hard to start 9 and 1 is so hard to get that start going to new england then going all the way back to seattle i think the niners are better than the seahawks but going to seattle that's a that's a that's a tough game man russell wilson always gives them problems they're going to be 7 and 0 at worst 6 and 1 to me going into that game and at some point they're going to get tripped up. And that's why I have them getting tripped up here in Seattle. And I think we're seven and one after week eight. So again, this is another one of those, like if there's fans, it's going to be a much, much different game than if there aren't any fans, even if there's like a, like a smaller capacity crowd, there is no team in the NFL that thrives more off of crowd noise field advantage than the Seattle Seahawks to the point where it affects officiating and the, and the referees. There's been no team that I've seen in the last 10 years that has been more effective with that part of their game uh, or that variable than the Seattle Seahawks. And if there are no fans at the game, then they're beatable. I mean, they were beatable last year. They lost three games at home last year. So the talent gap is pretty wide. Like the, the Seattle Seahawks are not, not that talented of a team. Like, yeah, okay, sure, they got DK Metcalf. And sure, they got uh, uh, Jamal Adams in the trade. 
and Quentin Dunbar, who's who's a pretty decent corner himself. Uh, but to me, they have no pass rush at all. Uh, their best pass rusher, pass rusher is arguably Jamal Adams, who had six and a half sacks last year, or Demontre Moore, who was on the 49ers for a short period of time last year. And they haven't done anything to fix that offensive line. So if anything happens to Russell Wilson, they're done. They're finished. And Russell Wilson, to me, is the best quarterback in the NFL. He's better than Mahomes because he does more with less. He's better than Lamar Jackson because he doesn't have to rely on gimmicks. And that's why I think that it, he's the ultimate equalizer. But if there are no fans in this in this game, I feel like the Niners will win. The Niners are a much more talented team. If you can somehow stop Russell Wilson, which is way easier said than done because nobody ever stops him. But if you can somehow contain him and not make this go down to the wire like you did last time, then then you'll win. And I think that the Niners will win in Seattle. All right, so we're both 7-1 and one at the halfway point of the season. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right, week nine, the Niners play the Packers and the 49ers 2021 starting quarterback Aaron Rodgers. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, He's not be the, I love Jimmy. I'm kidding. Now we're going to get reviews on uh, iTunes. Oh, you guys are haters. <laughs> you hate Jimmy. I'm kidding. Don't think he's going to be the quarterback in 2021. I think it's still going to be Jimmy. Anyway, Packers never beat the Niners. And they're not beating him here. Going back home. They just don't ever beat him. I think Rodgers is going to be better. I don't think Rodgers had a great season last year. I think he's going to be better this year. But um, that's just a team, I think, where the Niners just have their number. And they've throttled them the last two times they played them. And I, I don't see that the gap's been closed. And I got the Niners at 8-1. and one. Yeah, so you have to wonder what time they're going to actually start getting itchy to try to get to, to, to Jordan Love and try to make that switch. And if Green Bay, it depends on what they do as well. Because if, if they lose a bunch of games at the beginning or if they're 500 and if they sort of get the itch or the go ahead from the front office to make the switch at that point. Cause at that point, like you, you are what you are. It's the middle of the season. You know, if you're contending, you're contending. If you're not like your season's basically done, right? It's week nine season season's over half over. And yeah, you are what you are. So if Aaron Rodgers starts that game, you know, it's going to be a much different look again. That's another prime time game that the Niners have. And we'll have to see what they do under the bright lights. And my question is Al, like, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in law of averages. And how many times are you going to beat Aaron Rodgers in a row before he actually gets you? That's what I'm scared of. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that scares me about this. It's like, okay, at some point he's going to get you. He's too good of a quarterback. And I hope that they, the only way to really feel, make me feel comfortable is what they did last year is blow them out. And I think they have the ability to do that. Again, pass protection is a big deal. The Smith brothers, if you can hold them to, to very little uh, impact, then you'll be doing well. But God, like, as you can see how torn I am about this game, I'm talking a lot about it, right? But mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think that the Niners pull it out just barely. But um, this this is the one that I'm kind of like I'm not sure if they can if they can do this against Aaron Rodgers again. All right, so you got one you're not very sure about. The same way with New England with me, but we're both going eight and one because we're huge homers. So <laughs> that's where we are. Um, all right, week ten. Listen, they go to New Orleans, and that game last year was a classic, right? That was like the mm-hmm. game of the year. I didn't sit mm-hmm. down that whole game. Just an awesome game, and the Niners pull it out at the end. I think New Orleans gets their revenge this year. I think New Orleans is amped up for this game. I think the Niners just got done with a grueling schedule at New England, at Seattle, playing Green Bay at home. And I think New Orleans gets this game, and I think the Niners going to the bye at 8-2. and two. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, I don't think there's, they're, they're going to be able to beat New Orleans. Again, crowd noise. I should say, I mean, I said this before every pick, but Crowd noise is going to play a big factor. 
And New Orleans is one of those one of those teams like Seattle that thrives off of home field advantage and crowd noise. But I just think that basically this was the game that Saints, the, the players and their fans and their whole organization thought cost them a trip to the Super Bowl because the mm-hmm. Niners beat them and have the, have that tiebreaker and knock the Saints all the way down um, down into the ranks where they ended up eventually getting beat by Minnesota. But I think that that game last year basically that turned the season for them into something that didn't want to happen because of the seeding. So they want revenge. They're going to get it. Um, I, I don't see any way. Honestly, I love the Niners. I just don't see any way you're going to beat the Saints again in New Orleans back-to-back years. Hey, can we, can we, can we please stop going to New Orleans, damn it? Right, right? When was the last time they were in San Francisco? It was the playoff game. Or it Santa was the Clara. playoff game. That, that, well, it was at Candlestick. It was the playoff game because 2012 was – they didn't play in 2012. 2013, they played um, – in, uh, in in New Orleans, and the Niners lost. 2014, uh, they didn't play, and then like I think we played twice in New Orleans after that. So yeah, it's yeah ridiculous. <laughs> All right, then the Niners get a late season bye, which is always good. Rest up, get back till they travel at the Rams. Screw the Rams. Screw that team. <laughs> nine and two. I don't want to talk about it. nine and two. Yeah, Whatever. nine and two. Yeah, Sean McVay right. is like the like the Diet Coke of Kyle Shanahan, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tougher game than what it looks like is is the Bills. Um, love that defense. I really like McDermott as a coach. He gets a little like I thought in the playoff game last year he pulled the reins in and he played it too safe. But I, I like him a lot as a coach and I like what he does with that defense. The big what if on that team, we know they're gonna be able to run the ball. Is Josh Allen gonna take that next step? I liked some things I saw out of him last year, but he's very inaccurate. And again, this isn't my neck of the woods, um, New York. So I pay a lot of attention to the Bills. I watch the Bills a lot. Um, Allen's just super inaccurate. Allen actually reminds me a lot of Colin Kaepernick, where mm-hmm. he can he's not as a dynamic as a runner as Kaepernick was, but he makes the big plays with his legs. He can ma- he makes big throws, but he's not somebody who's going to complete sixty five percent of his passes. So he he can be dangerous. Is he going to take that next step this year? I don't know if he's capable of it. I don't think it matters in this game because, again, the Bills are coming across the country, crowd or not. And this is a Monday night game, actually. Oh, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Monday night, Bills and Niners. I definitely think the Niners take this one coming back home and go to 10-2. and two. I actually like the Bills a lot. They're, they're one of those low-key teams that can take a step up this year, again, depending on Josh Allen. And I was never a big Josh Allen fan, uh, to be honest. Like I thought that he wasn't that great of a quarterback. But, I mean, I think that they've Sean McDermott's found a really good role for him. And he plays really well within that offense. Now, remember Frank Gore, who obviously was a favorite of our show and, and both of ours, is now gone. He's gone to the Jets. So I think that with that, what you're going to have is you're going to have the Niners uh, kind of competing against a team you don't see very often. And I think when that happens, they, they tend to struggle a little bit. And specifically against like, like AFC East teams, right? Like the, like the Bills or the Jets or teams like that that you just never see. I think they're going to end up winning. It's going to be a close game, uh, but I think they'll end up winning again. This is like one of those like Robbie Gold field goal specials that they'll end up winning with. So I go with Raiders. You just mentioned Gore. I want to bring up a quick story about him um, and take a break from this really quick, just because it's cool to hear kind of what your favorite athletes are like, right? You want to know that these guys are cool guys or whatever and see what it is. And when I was working for CanBR last season, I, I covered a game in Buffalo um, was the Bills and, and um, the Dolphins. It was early in the season. Maybe it was in October, week five or six, maybe. I don't remember. But um, my assignment was I would interview Gore. I, had to, I was doing a story on Gore. So, you know, I'm in, I do the game with Press Box or whatever. And after I had to go look at Big Dork in the locker room and hang around his locker, 
you know, this guy has no idea who I am and ask him if I can ask him a couple questions. I'm going to be thinking he's going to be like, yeah, all right, whatever, dude. So he walks up and I, I said to him, you know, hey, Frank, you know, my name is Al Sacco. I work for 49ers Web Zone, or I'm sorry, I work for CanBR. I cover the 49ers. And he was like, oh, what's up, man? And it like took, it like took me aback. Like he was, he was so cool. And I was like, hey, you know, ask a couple questions. He was like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, um, I just got to get dressed, take a shower. He goes, you can hang out if you want to. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm literally just hanging out by Frank Gore's locker, like just waiting for him to get ready. And he was just super cool. He asked me like what the Niners score was. We talked a little bit about the team. And then when he got done getting his stuff together, like he, you know, I asked questions. He gave me great answers. We took a quick picture and I went on my way. And then I was waiting to get in the elevator. The way uh, the stadium is in Buffalo, the Bills locker room is right by the elevator. We go back up to the main floor. And he walked out and I was like, hey, Frank, thanks. You know, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks again. And he, he patted me on the shoulder. And he was like, oh, no problem, man. Coolest guy in the world. And like when you meet somebody like Frank Gore and, you know, I'm like a deer in the headlights, you know, I don't get to do that stuff a lot. So not wondering what, what somebody like him who you've watched for all these years and is one of like your all-time favorite players, what's he going to be like? He was awesome and he couldn't have been cooler. And I just wanted to tell the fans that story because it's always good to know that like your heroes or the guys you look up to or your favorite players are actually awesome dudes. And he was awesome. So just want to say that if anybody ever says a bad word about Frank or they're crazy, fantastic yeah. guy, great guy. So just want to let everybody know, throw that story out there. He was as cool as can be great dude. Um, anyway, where are we? Washington week 13. Yeah. I think eventually the football team in Washington, can they just pick a name by the way? Like, is it that hard? Yeah. Just pick a name, dude. <laughs> what are they going to be like, the Warriors or the Generals? It's not hard. Pick a name. Do you know what they're waiting for? I think because the thing is that, like, uh, they have to create merchandise and all this stuff. And so they have that big song and dance of a reveal and all this crap. So I'm, they probably are going to wait till after the season. Work. I bet you they have it already. They just don't want to reveal it because they have to do that whole production and pomp and all that stuff to, to hype it up. And they're just not going to let it go. So it's a big deal. It is a big deal, right? Like this is uh, one of the, the league's kind of really good teams in terms of winning Super Bowls and legacy, right? So it's important to them that they do it right. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, regardless, they're not winning this game. I actually like where they're going to be headed with Ron Rivera because I think Ron Rivera is a good coach. I don't know that I buy the quarterback. I, I'd love, oh God, I would love, would it, would it be great if Alex Smith is starting this game? That would be. That, that would be, be awesome. I love Alex Smith. Another great guy. So we'll talk about perseverance with this guy, what he's been through and what he overcomes. He's a super nice dude. Oh, I would love for that. But regardless, either way, I think this is an easy win for the Niners that puts them at 11 and two for me. <sighs> you know, Al, you know, what's are funny? you thinking about this game? I'm thinking about this game. You know why? Why? Because, because the way I want it. Jim Tom Sula, isn't he the defensive line coach? Well, the, the Jim Tom Sula, but uh, Alex Smith, right? Like, is this Alex Smith's revenge? Is he going to come to Levi's? And beat the 49ers and Levi's? Is he going to do that in December? What if, what if Jim Tom Sula and Alex Smith just come back and just it's a bloodbath? What if what if that happens? I mean, the, it's not going to happen. Crazier things have happened. I, mean, the, the, I don't know. Like, I, look, look, they're not they're not going to go fourteen and two. Okay, they're they're not. Like, I don't. The, the schedule is too tough. I I can't see. They're not. Like last year to me was like, okay, that's, that's pretty much like the, almost the ceiling that you saw last year. Right. I feel like they can get a little bit better, but like in terms of record, almost ceiling last year, I don't think they're going to go 14 and two, but I don't think they're going to lose this game either. So I'm going to go Niners. Alex Smith is going to, you know what? I'm going to say Alex Smith is going to start this game. Alex Smith is going to have a good game and walk off the field very proud, but the Niners will win this game. And I'm going to say, it's I like that. 
I'm gonna say Robbie Gold special. So Alex Smith can be happy. This is my sentimental like you know pick for Alex Smith. My my affinity for him. They'll go down to the wire. You know he may he may lead them to like a game time touchdown or something like that. And then the Niners go down and kick the game field goal. So Alex Smith can feel good about his performance. Man, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at back to back thirteen and three seasons right now, and I that's really hard to do. Yeah, I'm thinking they were going to get tripped up somewhere else. I'm all right. Dallas at Dallas in week 15. This is a primetime game. Cowboys got to step it up eventually, right? Eventually, they got to yeah. take that next step. They got some playmakers. I'm going to say the Niners lose this game. I think there'll be a so, close game, but I'm going to say the Niners get tripped up here just because, again, even just law of averages, man, like they're going to lose somewhere. And if, if I pick them in New England, which is a game I'm not sure about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick them to lose here. I'm going to have them at 11 and three. Yeah, so here's here's the thing. Dallas has really their receivers are amazing. Like they've got they've got Amari Cooper, Gallup, and now they drafted uh uh CeeDee Lamb, who I wanted the Niners to draft out of out of uh you know out of college. And they're they're gonna be putting up a ton of points. Ezekiel Elliott, like the way that you're gonna beat them is you're gonna have to keep the ball away from them. And you're not gonna beat them in a track meet. Uh, Dak Prescott to me is overrated. I don't think he's that as good of a quarterback as people think he is. But because he has that star on the side of his helmet, that's why you get rated higher. Uh, just like you know, guys who play for the Yankees, like you, you get rated higher because of where you play, right? And that's not a slide against the Yankees. That's that's saying that that's how good the organization is and has been. That if you have that on your resume, so to speak, you get a little bit of leeway from people. And and fair or not, I think that Dak Prescott definitely benefits from being on the Cowboys. Like Al, like if he played for like you know the, the Detroit Lions, would he be getting this much love? No, he wouldn't. Right, but the fact that he plays there and he plays behind that offensive line, of course, like you know, he gets put up like decent numbers, and America's team and all that stuff, yada yada yada. So, anyways, the the defense is for Dallas isn't there. I don't think they have as good of a defense. Alden Smith is there though, so we'll see what he does this year. Mm. Uh, oh know, yeah, and I, I don't think he's gonna be a, he's gonna have as big of an impact as people think. He's been away from the game for so long, almost two years, and he played very well in a Vic Fangio scheme. I'm not sure if he translates to another scheme as well. But uh, it'll be very interesting to watch. But I think the Niners will win this game. Um, this is in Dallas, but again, if it's with fans, you see how Niners fans travel, and by that time they're winning a lot, so more Niners fans will go. And uh, the last time they were in Dallas, it was a Niners takeover, so to speak. So I think that they they win this game. I really do. All right, I just don't feel like life can ever be that easy, especially in 2020. So you got you're 11 and three. You got. I'm sorry. Did you say yes or no on that game? The Niners winning or losing? Yeah, they won. They won. So the, I feel oh, like so they're eleven. You have twelve and two. They're twelve and two. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. All right. So life is not easy, especially in 2020. So the Niners are going to be eleven and three in my in my view, going at Arizona, maybe a game or two up on Seattle, and they are not going to make life easy for any of us. They are going to lose at the Cardinals. Kyler Murray is going to give them trouble, and they're going to be eleven and four heading into a must-win situation like last year against Seattle. That's what I think. Uh, just like what they did against uh, against the the Falcons, right? Where they, yeah. I mean, they didn't really need to win that game, but they kind of threw it away when they could have wrapped the division up the next week with a win. But I think that uh, this is such a hard game because what's Arizona going to be doing at this point? Are they competing for a playoff spot? Is their season over? Is Kyler Murray really lighting the world on fire? Is he healthy? Like, what is happening here? And again, that's one of those games that's going to be flexed, probably, because they haven't decided the time of it. Um, 
but I think second last game of the season. Uh, God, like this this one is a toss up for me. I w- I can literally flip a coin on this because so much, I mean, so much could change before the end of the season. But if the Niners play how I think they're going to play, and if they can stay healthy, I think they win this game. Al, I think they win this game. Wow, and I don't thirteen think, and two. I don't think that Seattle is going to be there at the end. I think that what's going to happen is that something's going to happen. They're going to they're going to take a step back. Look, Al, they were eleven and two in one score games last year, including the playoffs. Eleven and two. Like if you lose even and then and to, for comparison, the Niners. People say, oh well, the Niners won a bunch of games. The Niners were five and three in such games. They were almost five hundred. Okay, Seattle thrives off of those one score wins, and if they start losing those, they're done. They're finished. That's what they do. They 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 find ways to win games, and I guess that's a credit to Russell Wilson. But if he either gets hurt for an extended period of time, or if they don't get that luck with a luck of lucky bounces or whatever you want to call it, good play, where they win games at the end, they're not going to be there. They're not. They don't have enough talent this year. So I'm going to say that the, the Niners win Arizona, win in Arizona. And can I make the last pick ahead of you? Yeah, dude, absolutely, absolutely. This is my point. And I'm going to say that they lose against Seattle because the Niners are resting people. Oh, and that okay. game doesn't matter. At that point, Seattle's not going to win the division. The Niners don't care at that point. They're going to rest people. Mullins gets the start. All the, all the backups get the start, and, they, and they're resting for the playoffs. Remember, seven, seven playoff seeds this year, right? right. So only one of them gets, gets the first round bye. Otherwise, you're all playing, right? So I think that like, if the Niners have the bye wrapped up, they'll, they'll you know, sit everybody. Or if like, there's a team at like 14-2, and 15-1, or whatever team has a tiebreaker over them, like New Orleans, for example, mm-hmm. if they have a tiebreaker over them, they'll sit everybody. And and they'll lose that game because they don't care. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Niners end with a 13 and three record. Um, I think that's the ceiling for them. I think the floor for me is 10 and six with the playoff berth. Agree. Um, that's like if if they get hurt, but I think the floor is 10 wins. The ceiling is 13. So I'll say just because I feel like this is the way things happen. You know, Seattle pulls a bunch of games out of their ass, and they're 10 and five, and the Niners mm-hmm. have that two game losing streak at the end of the year, and they're 11 and four. And then all of a sudden, this game means something, and it's the Sunday nighter, and the Niners win. Niners go to twelve and four. <laughs> yeah, back to back years. Back to back years. All the all the marbles games go to go to the Niners back to back years. Okay, that's I like that. I like, I like that. it. I like where I'm going with that. So twelve and four. Yeah. Whether it happens the way that I said or it happens a different way, I think that's about where they'll be. Mm-hmm. About twelve wins. You know, could they go eleven and five? Sure, maybe. Could see that too. I think I agree with you. I think ten, ten and six, ten and six is the floor. Things would have to go. It would have to be a disaster for them to be nine and seven or something like that. And they could still even sneak in the playoffs there. But for this team, especially with how easy the early schedule is, something really bad would have to happen. I even think Nick Mullen, if something happened, Garoppolo. I even think Nick Mullins can come in and steer the ship to ten wins with this team. So yeah. we'll see. But that's you know, I think that's good. So we both have them sort of around the same. You know, twelve. You had what thirteen and three. I had twelve and four. So we're you know we're liking this yeah. team. It's all good going to be a good season yeah yeah i think i think the work they've done in the offseason to make up for their losses has been huge again trent williams like god my god you got like arguably the best tackle in the game <laughs> on on a trade for a couple of draft picks and he's fresh and he's strong and he's ready to go so they just need to stay healthy and if they can stay healthy which has been a challenge for them admittedly um i think that they'll they'll be right there and al like i've, I've said it to you i said at the beginning of this podcast i've said it i guess in the weeks following the super bowl they're gonna win the super bowl they're going to win it. They are going to win the Super Bowl. I've called my shot many times. I'm 
doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on that. If they get back to that game, which I think they will, Kyle Shannon is not going to mess this one up. This is his third crack at getting a Super Bowl ring. And I think he's he's understood the the faults that he's had from losing to the Chiefs and the Patriots. And Kyle Shannon makes adjustments. We know that. He does have a little bit of ego to him, which every good coach has. But he's not afraid to make adjustments when things don't work. And he will make those adjustments if they stay healthy, if things go how, how I think they're going to go. Seattle's probably going to take a step back, which I think they will. And the Niners will take a step up to, complain, to claim their sixth Lombardi trophy. I hope so, man. The Niners fans have been through so much in this century. And, you know, I, I still remember, I was a little kid in the 80s, but still remember the late 80s Super Bowls. And remember, obviously, the 90s Super Bowls. I was in high school. But for younger fans in the 2000s, this team has done nothing. They've either been awful or they've had four outstanding seasons, three with Harbaugh and then one this past season with Shanahan. And then you've absolutely gotten just punched in the gut. I mean, three of the most mm-hmm. gut-wrenching losses you can absolutely imagine in the NFC Championship, two in the NFC Championship, then two in the Super Bowl. I mean, neither fans have been through it the last 20 years. So it's it, they're not one of those teams anymore where people say, oh, you're a Niners fan, you're a front runner. No, I've been that way for a long time, man. Niners fans have been through it. So hope for all our sakes that they can win it this year. I do think they're going to get one with this regime, whether it's, whether it's this year or not. I think this team is built for the long haul. But we'll see, man. Yeah, and look, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID and stuff and the, the flu season and all this stuff. We're assuming that this is, a, this is like a sunny day scenario where we're just assuming everything goes perfectly and the Niners have minimal injuries and all this stuff. We all we know that seasons don't go like that. But yeah, I'll, I'm with you. Like The Niners, this, this would be the third shot at getting a sixth Super Bowl. And at some point, again, law of averages, it's got to stick. And I think that, well, I mean, unfortunately, Buffalo Bills fans, right? Like it didn't. but. There are only, I think there are only three teams since 2000 that have lost uh, two Super Bowls or more. Uh, the, or sorry, four teams. Uh, the Patriots, the Panthers, the Rams, and the 49ers are the only teams, I believe, to lose more than two Super Bowls. Oh, no, the Eagles as well. Eagles as well. Oh, no, wait, the Eagles mm. won. They, they, beat, they, beat, they beat Brady. So, yeah, so there's four teams yeah. that have wow. lost uh, two Super Bowls or more since, since that uh, since the, the the millennium started, I don't like being that. <laughs> I, I'm done with that. Win a Super yeah, Bowl, it's, damn it! It's got to stop, man. My heart can't take it anymore. Hey, did you see this faithful to the Bay campaign that got launched? I did see. That's a good segue. I, I did see this faithful to the Bay. That's uh, how I do it, man. Uh, all about segues. <laughs> You're a pro's pro. I like it. <laughs> uh, so I uh, I did, and I participated in this as well. So. Um, what this is, for those of you who don't know, the Faithful to the Bay campaign is basically it's uh, branding that the 49ers have, have done to represent uh, local 49ers uh, residents who are fans uh, or local 49ers fans who are, who are uh, here in the Bay Area and social media followers that uh, kind of have followed the team uh, throughout the years and, and are, I guess, we are dubbed the Faithful, right? And... Um, what they've done is they've released a new collection of apparel and you can find it on 49 shop. Um, I got a really cool short sleeve hoodie that says faithful to the Bay on it. Um, and really what they're doing is it's, it's this campaign to bring together 49ers fans from different parts of the Bay area. Now that obviously there's another, there's, there's the other team is gone now. That's, that's a fantastic opportunity for the 49ers to kind of capitalize on that. And I think that this is a, a good time to do this, but it's more than just that. Um, they're allowing people in, in times of COVID to still participate with the team. 
generate uh, uh, content and upload it and possibly get picked to, sh to show uh, wearing their faithful gear and celebrating um, with the team over the course of the year, right? Like this is super cool stuff. It's exclusive merchandise, right? Like stuff that you don't actually see every year. That's why I picked it up. Like I'm not a big guy that buys a, like every single year, like I buy a jersey or something like that. You know my jersey curse, Al. I can't do that. I can't. Right. I can't right, yeah. buy like unless it's like you know like a reverse like Russell Wilson curse. I'll buy a Seahawks jersey and curse him, right? But that being said, like you know, for me, people like myself, it's super cool because it's something unique. I've never seen anything like this before. I've never owned anything like this before that has like a team slogan on it. And uh, you know, I took the opportunity to do that. So um, you know, like you'll see music people like E40, Pilo, other local artists that are kind of going to be uh, putting together stuff for this campaign as well on, you know, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, stuff like that. You'll see playlists coming out throughout the year. Uh, you'll see them doing stuff in the community where uh, they're helping Bay Area youth and things like that, like with uh, education and physical fitness programs. And of course, like the social justice thing, which is such a big deal nowadays, you'll see them donating. I believe I think it was a million dollars to uh, social justice grants to local and national organizations. So it's a big deal. It's super cool. It's a chance for us, like the 49er faithful to actually have something that is representative, representative of us. Like you see stuff from other teams, like, Oh, like the Seahawks are like, Oh, we are 12 and those things like that. And the, the Packers have title town and, and all these teams have these things that, that represent their fans, but the Niners haven't really done this in a long time or ever where they release something specifically for the 49er faithful. So you'll see stuff when you go to the stadium, you'll see signage that's changed. You'll see a lot of stuff uh, on the fan, the fan shop that's basically rotating throughout the year, but super cool. Um, if you want to join a fan group, go to 49ers.com slash fans. Um, so you can join a fan group as well, but definitely do it. I'm doing it. Al, I think you should do it. Buy some gear, support your team and let the, damn it. Let the people know that you're a faithful. I know we have a lot of people that live across the country. I'm in Chicago right now. I'm rocking my faithful gear just so everybody here knows that I'm a 49er faithful. Do the same. If you live in the Bay or out of the Bay, let them know where you are. Let them know who you represent. So yeah, that definitely go for it, man. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Good stuff. And also buy stuff. Also, you know, I like people to send me free stuff. So if you want to send anything to me or Zane, it's free. Love the swag. Send it to us. Dude, next show we have, we'll be talking about a game. Finally. Yes. Finally, it's back. Excited to do it. Excited to reflect on this game. Can't wait. During the game, we always say, tweet at us. We love talking to the fans. We love going back and forth with the game. We're involved on Twitter during the game. It's all good. Can't wait to do it. Until next week, for Zane Nackby, this is Al Sacco. Enjoy this weekend, everybody. See you.